welcome back to another episode. Today we're joined by Jay Midnight. He's a producer, author, artist, podcast host, and you know, recurring guest on my on my show. So today we want to talk about first of all his book Shine at Night is out. It'll be linked in description. But we want to go through it, and I have a few questions for him. But before we begin, would you mind sort of, you know, providing like a preface of why you wrote it and what the book's all about? Yeah. So Shine at Night is basically an introduction to how um, I see the world right now at a point where there's a big change in how uh, people can. Uh, produce for themselves in the future, make income, certain things like that, and not to. It's also an instruction manual in a sense of how not to get caught in a trap of um, being a victim to what people might see as top-down government control over them, or the economy's crashing, like it's over now. It's a way to avoid that type of thinking and see a lot of the opportunity. But I don't, I don't give the opportunity in the book like point blank. I kind of leave it open so that it kind of gives hope and just a way, just a opportunity for people to open their mind and think of all the opportunities that are available right. if they don't see the government or whoever's in power as like a controller of their life. And I, one thing that stood out to me was, you know, in the in the introduction, I believe you you mentioned this very thing. You had the quote from Tupac, which said, you know, I might not be the one to change the world, but I'll be, you know, I want to be the one to. And obviously, sparks of mine, right? And that kind of, you know, sets the tone for what the book, which is written in a freestyle format, which was kind Definitely. of interesting to me as well. You know, explain that. Explain your thinking behind why you decided to freestyle it instead of, you know, spending months and creating this uh, bullshit version that everyone does. For it me, well for, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it is well written, and I want to highlight that it's not just you know a scattered uh, conglomerate of thoughts. It is well written, but it's still in a freestyle format. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because definitely, if I looked over and wanted to really write like a novel or a book or whatever i could really put all the research into it cite everything you know but the reason i chose the freestyle format is number one because if i chose the other format which would be to try to explain why we're here right now it would take i mean there's millions of books that do that so right. um, really it was the point of it was to spark just the thought process of why is everything that's happening right now happening and how can I kind of question things so that I can make a way for myself in the future? And then number two was I didn't want I, I wanted to do a freestyle so that I wouldn't censor myself and I wouldn't um, I just didn't want to have any thoughts of what the possible consequences could be for saying certain things I say in there. I tweeted earlier. I tweeted like three in the a, three in the a.m. A few. I guess I'd be a little bit ago. <laughs> um, yeah. I tweeted that I wonder how Microsoft's patent on a technology that is about mining crypto from human beings performing a task will affect the market in general. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. It's just such a such an open. Hold field. on, hold on. You you got to repeat that one more time. <laughs> yeah. Microsoft so Microsoft. Patent. 
on yeah. mining Bitcoin from the actions or the efforts of humans? Yeah, so basically they could send you an ad or something through your TV or Xbox or whatever, and you watch it, and then it monitors your heart rate and your brain waves, like an EKG type of thing, and just sees how you respond to certain things. And then beyond that, obviously, if you perform certain tasks, this will work off of sensors that are placed on your body. So how they plan to pull that off, I don't know, but they did file the patent. Hey, take the vaccine, bro. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't take experimental vaccines. <laughs> I hope nobody else does either. What do you think about that? Uh, that I wouldn't. I wouldn't take an experimental vaccine if I knew. If I knew Bill Gates, so basically, <laughs> if I study what Bill Gates says, if I go through his past, he has his parents are eugenicists. Basically, their um, his father was involved with Planned Parenthood, so. From there, I already know his line of thinking. Mm. And he also has openly stated that he doesn't believe the Earth should have as many people as it's going to have, which is like 9 billion soon. Bill Gates. Bill Gates, yeah. So well, anybody could... Though, you know, it's, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense if you view it from, um, from a resource scarcity overpopulation standpoint where you know china's going crazy india's going crazy i see it from that standpoint i don't think unless he meant like you know we only want a certain amount so we can control them fully or something i don't know the context of it but well he can't he's not gonna ever go, go out there and say that so we can control them but <laughs> um china has already basically gotten rid of the little one child policy because if you don't have two children or more then basically now you're on a decline like Russia is facing that problem basically you're eradicating yourself so um, uh, Bill Gates uh, is basically of the line of thinking that I'll just say his own words he said we're getting towards 9 billion people on the planet now if we do a good job with vaccines and uh, reproductive health we can probably reduce that by 10 to 15 percent and all the people in the TED Talk audience laugh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, whether he believes that he needs to control or his group of people need to control the amount of people on the earth doesn't really matter. But the, the one thing a person can do before making a decision to inject themselves with something that they don't know what's in it is ask for, for a vaccine insert. And then once they get the back first, they could pay attention to how the doctor reacts to that because that'll tell you everything. And then once they get that insert or Google it, um, they can look at the ingredients and then Google the ingredients and then they can tell themselves, hmm, would I put this in my body or not? And also the vaccine insert has information about the clinical trials it went through to right. get approved. So if you knew that say the rotavirus vaccine has a live pig virus in it. I don't know a lot of people that would be like, a lot of people would ask the doctor, why did they put a live pig virus in this? And then yeah. the doctor wouldn't have an answer. And then they'd be like, so why are you telling me to take it? So I'm just saying. No, I feel like I definitely see that point. But um, do we not have that? Do we not have information like that about vaccines? No, we do through the insert. Okay, we do have that for flu, flu shots and stuff like Everything, that. Everything, yeah. It's just that when people go to the doctor, they don't ask the doctor for an insert or what's in the vaccine. Right, of course. Mm -hmm. But if they wanted to, they have access to that. Yes. 
Yes. When it comes to the coronavirus vaccine, we would need that before we start taking it. Yeah, which they would have for you, but right. If we look at the coronavirus vaccine, it's an emergency vaccine, meaning they're not going to do a uh, human clinical trials for a long period of time compared to what they do for flu or uh, MMR. And I kind of read that in an article that you know um, from the LA Times, which was stating that the coronavirus has mutated, and there's a mutation that's. Um, that I believe they identified in February and it came to the US and you know it's um and then it had something about the trials as well where they're skipping a lot of steps which is what you kind of mentioned it's an emergency vaccine and we, you know they want to get it to the people as soon as possible so we can all return to normality but um it is interesting you know how this plays out I think I don't have enough information about this or you know, nor do I do enough research about this to speak on what exactly is going on. But I still think as a society, and if you look at historical data, you know, we haven't had anything, um, anything that's been super obvious in terms of controlling people. So it has to be some, it's something that you find patterns of, or you find through your own research, right? Like there's nothing. What do you mean? In terms of, well, let's not use history then. In, 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 no, we could use history. If we use history, then we have a lot of examples of, of uh, okay. control, which was deliberate. And then, you know, like the Nazis and stuff like that. Like we, we're aware of that. But but, but we got to remember, that's us looking back on it. Right. It's probably not obvious to them at the time. Like people that used to tell on tell on people hiding Jewish people in their houses at that time, they probably thought they were doing a good thing. They probably really thought Jews were the enemy or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but I think we we have evolved from that level, right? Like we're not yeah, that the way we've evolved. My bad. The way okay. we've evolved is that the people that use this type of propaganda to um, get their goals accomplished, they don't have to do it in a brute force manner because we studied the brain so much and we study psychology and we've learned from all those past experiences that we can manipulate people based on the information they receive you know what i'm saying we don't have to outright be like uh the brown guy across the street he's your enemy because of this or that or whatever he believes and you know right. what i'm saying it could be just use movies all types of different things i agree different methods of subtly i, I definitely i definitely agree with you but God. what if that subtlety isn't obvious what if people that's a good thing exactly right but from a per, from the perspective of you know the average or let's okay. say below IQ, a regular person average well, IQ. not below iq just a regular person that's okay, not regular, thinking about all that cool regular person who doesn't even comprehend the subtleties that he's being fed or she's being fed and therefore you know could potentially minimize the influence of those subtleties because they're not recognized yeah, I mean, the only way you could ever know there's someone trying to manipulate you is if by some way of chance you might study people like Edward Bernays, who's called the father of modern propaganda or whatever. But if you don't fall into that, a good thing for a normal person is if they've been involved. <laughs> it's going to sound weird, but if they've uh, lived a life 
in the streets in a sense like mm-hmm. because when you're in the streets there's a there's people always trying to pull a trick or try to play a game you know what i'm saying finesse. to get money yeah, yeah finesse so you your brain gets attuned to when someone's trying to scam you in a sense you okay. know what i'm saying right right, right. now for a regular American, it's not really that, for a regular American, it's not really that hard because all an American would have to do is just look at how the country was started. But the schools don't really teach that no more or why the country was started. You know what I'm saying? If people, if if a regular American knew that um, America revolted against a king from another place trying to rule over here and that taxes was such a big issue to those type of people, in the beginning of the country, not saying it was perfect or whatever. Right. But if people knew that right now, people would call you petty if you're like, <laughs> you're trying to put a 10% tax on this uh, <laughs> bag of food that I bought. Nah, you didn't work for it. People mm-hmm. would call you petty. And, and what they would say is that you must want poor people to die. That's how people argue nowadays. Like, if yeah. I say I don't want to pay a tax for this, they're going to say, well, then who's going to feed the people that don't have? But I never said that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we they got us programming and media got us to a point where our arguments can only be A or B, which is not, that's not thinking. There's everything. Mm-hmm. Sorry to cut you off, but do you think that, um, do you think tribalism has a part in that? Where we identify with specific sort of, you know, tribes or groups or thinking um, or ways of thinking. And then people remain in those bubbles, in those echo chambers, whether it's on social media or in person or, you know, what kind of parties they go to, what kind of gatherings they attend, events they attend, whatever it may be. That just fuels that narrative even more of my opinion and the way my team thinks is far superior than yours. And that creates that sort of divide. You think that plays a part in it, or you think it's um, on a on a more human level, where it's the one the zero point zero zero one percent that's controlling everyone else? Um, I don't really understand what you're asking. Well, so here, okay, not fully. I don't understand. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I'm going off of what you said in terms of you know they have us pinned against each other. Maybe my interpretation yes. was wrong, but. I get that. I do think they have us pinned against each other because like right now on social media, what's popping in the last few days is even though it's not cool, um, there's a lot of cops in certain areas that are like beating up people for not social distancing. And it seems to be a certain race versus another race, which I mean, that happens. But sometimes I step back and I think of it like if I was in control Right. And I didn't want attention to be on me, then I would cause a problem between this group and that group. That way they never see who's above both of them. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because the, the the cop that someone might call racist, he's probably mad for the same reasons the person that's getting victimized is mad because, you know, just pressure of society and having to make a certain amount of money or you got stress on you because you can't pay your bills right now, whatever. Right, right, right. He's, he probably feels the exact same way and he's not going to take it out on his family. So he's out in the streets. And then there's a whole fear part of that too. Cause you're, you might be patrolling areas that you're not familiar with basically the type of people mm-hmm. anyway. So you have people 
above that never feel the consequences. When we say above, that can even be as low as just a regular politician. They don't feel the consequences of certain laws that they pass or certain things they say. Like right. the other day, the dude got killed. The security guard got killed trying to tell someone to put a mask on when he came to the store. And then he told the cashier, don't help them. Don't um, let them cash out because mm-hmm. they won't put a mask on. But that dude got killed because he's enforcing a which is basically a stupid order put on a mask because some people really have health conditions. I'm not saying that that's what this was. The right, case. They may not be able to breathe efficiently. Yeah. Or they might just be like, it doesn't make sense to put on a mask. I'm just rebreathing the same thing that my body told me to exhale. But anyway, <laughs> so a person lost their life enforcing an order that was made by somebody who's never going to lose their life for these orders. You know what I'm saying? In so this I, country. Yeah. In this country, like it's, at a certain point, you got to realize when you're enforcing these orders, because it's the same thing. Like if we go back to history, like you said, we can go back to Nazi Germany and be like the same people who said that they were just enforcing orders. OK, well, there's going to be consequences for those orders, even if it's directed at you who enforced it. But you had no ill intent. You probably just you probably really thought it was keeping people safe. And maybe it was. But some people don't like to be dictated to. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, okay. So what do you think about, um, what do you think about the freedom that we have? You gotta get more specific what you mean. In, in this context, because, you know, all the enforcements and stuff, if we relate the, if we relate the infrastructure or the, the way that we operate in this country to other countries in the modern day context, meaning in this time, you know, we see that we still have more freedom. Oh, yeah, definitely. You still have that privilege of being a little bit more free, you know, yeah, having a God. more than, of course, having a little bit more than, you know, people in other parts of Asia or even Mexico, Southern America, whatever you want to, you know, relate it to. But I just find it interesting that we have yeah, this right. narrative or this perspective. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm going to reiterate that I don't really get into this stuff as much as I, you know, can or should, but I just find it interesting that there's this narrative that, you know, we're being controlled and a lot of things um, are against us. I feel like a lot of things are, you know, with us or are there to help us. Me too. Uh, Well, I don't know if they're there to help us. I do feel like we have a million more opportunities than everybody else. I know that, but I also know that, um, if we could have all those opportunities available so basically our internet might not be as censored as china is you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but um it doesn't really matter if if because i control information and the way that you perceive the information you don't take advantage of the opportunities that are available to us as americans so in what way is information being okay so the information is being controlled based on that the person presenting it can present it in such a way where you only think as, like I said earlier, A or B. It's like Republican, Democrat. So people don't really think for themselves no more. So if I'm a Trump supporter, then whatever Trump says or whatever the party line is, then I'm going with that no matter what it is. That's, well, that's the majority. The average. Yeah, but that's not I wouldn't cool. say majority. I would say that's... 
I don't know. Man. I feel like you know, if you look at the numbers of, <clears throat> if you look at the you know people, the amount of people that are tuning into those shows on both ends of the equation, it's all it's pretty the, weak. It's declining, and yeah. more and more people are tuning into you know shows like the Daily Wire, which again do have that bias, do have that it's aspect cool. of tribalism in it, but it's still in more of a freer form, in my opinion. I don't yeah, think. Definitely. You know, I don't think it's as controlled and biased as as the mainstream media is, because they have to. They have five minutes to bring something up, and then they have to cut to another segment. Like they don't get into, you know, they don't get in depth of what actually is going on, analyzing or or um, what's the word, factoring in all the variables that are at play. They have to say something, to retain viewers, to capture attention, to get you know more and more people to tune in. Get that headline. So yeah. then, so then you're not watching. That's a, that's what we gotta understand. We're not watching real news. We're just watching entertainment. That's exactly right. Cartoon News Network, CNN. <laughs> I, I agree with you, man. I I don't think I've watched the news um, like five. No, it's cool to watch the news because it's good to know how people think or, or people are being trying. It's good to know what the narrative is in a sense, because, okay, put it like this. If you right. think if you think outside the box, you could basically, when you run into regular people, not that anybody's like different from regular, but I'm just saying, you can, you can assume what a person's argument is going to be, or you can, based on what they say, you can already put them in a box. Right. Oh, this it's guy. It's okay to be like, X, yeah, y, and Z. yeah. Like a lot of people would judge me and be like, I'm a, um, I'm a like a Donald Trump supporter or whatever. But I'm really not. Like I don't. I, I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump or um, whoever they might run against them or whoever they did run run against them. Yeah. I wouldn't vote for either of them because I under. Even though Donald Trump is pretty good compared to what it could be, I'd rather have a. Mm-hmm. I'm not even gonna get into that. I would rather have Donald Trump because he has a little bit of a business mind. Right. Um, and at the end of the day in America, it's all about money. But the thing is... Capitalistic society, man. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. We can get into capital. No, I like it. Yeah, I like it too, but... I don't like I don't like crony capitalism, which is what we have. We don't have real capitalism where it's if you... How so? If you if you make a bad decision or make a bad play or make a bad bet, you don't go out of business in America. If you're if you're one of the boys, that's crony capitalism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a free market. It's a it's a free market for you if you try to start a business and you fail. Yeah, that's a free market for you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you're uh, if you know Jamie Dimon or whatever, or if you know the head of Goldman Sachs or certain people, then you get bailed out. Man, it's just—it's fascinating to me. I was—I uh, was reviewing some congressional hearings the other day, and Goldman Sachs from 2010 came up, and I just found it so funny, man. They have a first of all these judges or not judges? What's the the council councilman? Whoever's okay. on the on the on the panel um, yeah. asking these these executives questions, uh, they have you know five or six minutes, mm-hmm. and then they have to rotate. Yeah, I just found it super funny how, you know, you're being grilled. So the the, the panelist or the, the judge or the congressman, whoever it is, gets to pretend to be mad for five minutes. And then the executive <laughs> from Goldman Sachs 
pretend to say, you know, we don't understand or we need more context or try to evade the questions and then nothing happens. Thank you.